I'm going to quote Les Brown. He says, adversity introduces a man or a woman to himself. And one of the things, whether it be apartheid, whether it be my home, my culture, my schooling, my education, my leadership, my church, uh, my business, I've learned that uh, the importance of self-awareness. Welcome to Helping Organizations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of uh, seeing Twani on the show. Uh, good morning to you, Sia. Good, good morning, good morning, Gillian. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, good to speak to you. You are a mental toughness and resilient speaker. And um, and just some sort of background, you, you were tortured in prison for taking a stand against injustice in South Africa. Uh, and the great thing about this, you survived that and you're here to tell a story about how you harnessed a mindset uh, where you embraced it and defied it and obviously conquered it. And um we're going to get into that. And, and, and I suppose, see, uh, for me, it'd be good just for the audience to get some context of how you got into a place where you were, you know, tortured and imprisoned uh, in South Africa. Um, as, a, as, a, as black people and as a person, uh, I, uh, we were subjected to unfair treatment because of the apartheid. And therefore, I dedicated my life uh to uh to fight for justice for all and freedom for all and that landed me in prison for four years in robin island so i was prepared i was prepared to suffer to sacrifice for the struggle and for the liberation of myself and my people and just just go into a bit more detail of that i mean i appreciate you know you know, in South Africa, the apartheid uh, and and the sort of segregation and the sort of very uh, effectively racist uh, in, and against uh, black people and the difficulties you face. And obviously, we're aware of obviously Nelson Mandela, who who was in in Robben Island as well. Um, how how did that sort of come about, and, and what was it that you decided to make that stand? Because not everybody makes that stand. Not everybody puts themselves above the parapets. And pushes things through, and um, you know, knowing the consequences which you obviously faced, uh, torture and, and being in prison. So, what was it about that you that made a difference that you decided to make a stand against it? Uh, apartheid made sure that uh, just like the British uh, uh, Empire rule and divide, it divided parents and the children. So we, as children, refuse as young people and children, we refuse to. Ex- to accept the status quo, that we are second-class citizens, we are invisible, we are non-entities, we refuse. So in 1976, black majority young people went on the street to say, away with apartheid, we're not going to uh, accept that we are second-class citizens, we are not going to accept that we are defaced, we have no voice, no choice, no freedom, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and no human rights. So that was that, that was... The, the rebellion against our parents who accepted the status quo, the rebellion against oppression um, from the white beat oppressive regime apartheid. And, you know, wh- why did you decide to make a stand? Because I presume not everybody made a stand like you did that caused you to have such consequences. It, it, it was my inner, uh, my inner belief uh, that I am not created. The Americans said that God does not make joke. So I was not a second-class citizen. I was not rubbish. So it was the self-confidence, self-belief 
yeah, uh, that enable me to to push against those unhealthy, oppressive system. It was self confidence, self belief, it was self assurance that I want. I'm a different person. I want to make a difference in this world. Even at the age, uh, a young age, uh, as young as I can remember. Uh, I'm not sure I told you in the last conversation. For example, I'm a clergyman and all the pictures of Jesus were white. And so when I asked the question, why is God white? Why is Jesus and the angels white? My father was a bishop, says, oh, stop asking too many questions in heaven. It doesn't matter. In heaven, you'll all be the same. And so that for me, that was imbalance, that was injustice. How can this God who's white identify with my struggle uh, for oppression? So mm. I started, I, 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 I'm a clergyman as well. I started my theological training not at university or college. It started in my home, in my township. And mm. It started with the color of my skin. If God is fair, is righteous, is just, why did he make me the color black? And why did he make white people with a lighter skin and they think that they're superior? So that, mm. that's, drove, that's what drove my struggle towards justice. Well, that's incredible, really. And I, I, obviously, you know, being a white person, um, I've never faced what you faced and what you face probably now, uh, even in, in the UK. Um, how does that, so I can imagine that it's quite tough and quite um, tough on the mind in terms of how you deal with your confidence, how you walk into a situation, uh, are you wary about scenarios? And I'd just like to understand how you deal with that, not just when you when when you uh, when apartheid was in South Africa, but even now, how does that have a bearing and a weight on your own inner self confidence? And how have you sort of developed strategies to overcome that? Okay, uh, two things. One, I hear people in Britain and across the world saying to us who still experience racism as black people, Asian people, brown people. I'm sick and tired of people going on about racism. They say it in Britain. Yeah. I experienced that in professional setting. Uh, yeah. So I'm sick and tired of people going racism. And I, my, my reply to that is those of us who experience it daily, we are sick and tired of experiencing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's one. So it's my inner belief that I'm not here on this planet. Oh, that's one of my strategies to explain myself or to apologize for being on this planet Earth, whether it be mm -hmm. Britain, America, Russia, or under the water. That's one of my strategies. I don't own anybody's exp ex explanation as to my humanity. I'm here. I'm present. If you like me, great. If you don't like me, great. Fantastic. I love that. I love that. That's, it's just who you are and accept who you are, regardless Absolutely. of your color of your skin. Exactly. But the, the other one, uh, I just need to say, uh, people who still subject people of different races to injustice and racism, either in Britain or South Africa, anywhere else, they don't realize the, the racial trauma and mm. the impact it has on our mental health. Hmm. It, we talk about post-traumatic stress disorder. You go to war, you go to Iraq, you go to where, you go to Ukraine, you come back, oh, they're traumatized. Those of us who live with extreme exposure to racism, with this hmm. unconscious bias, yeah, we still live the, with the trauma. They don't really like the impact of that racial trauma. 
I never, I never realised it in that way, uh, calling it a, a trauma. But I guess it is, isn't it? Because yes, certainly on a day by day. So, you know, if you're dealing with that and 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 you, and, and it's as a trauma, how, how have you sort of worked that through? How have you got to a place where you are now, where you've got this mental toughness that you are full of joy, full of life? Because I know you are. How have you got to that place? Because you, you're not making it up. You're not faking it. There's a there's a genuineness. How have you got to that place of dealing with that trauma because people might be listening right now who who have got racial trauma but also there are other traumas as you said so how, how have you dealt with that trauma i, I think i think uh, um, from a therapeutic point of view i one for me it started with self-acceptance uh, yeah that i love myself yeah uh that for me is is, is key I, I i'm gonna say this and i'm not being arrogant i say this wherever i go I own my space, Julian. I go and deliver training. I go and do deliver motivational speaking. I go to setting. I own it. Yeah. I don't apologize. I walk tall like Nelson Mandela. I walk tall like Obama. I own my space. So that confidence that I have of being self-assured, I don't allow people to reduce me to nothingness. Yeah. Hmm. That I, that's how I deal with it. I don't. Yeah. Like you said, Ed, rightly so. I conquer it, yeah? I conquer those negative mindsets. I don't allow them to sit in my head. I don't allow people to have um, uh, a uh, rent-free space, whether it's race, racism, prejudice, belittling, inhumane. I don't, I don't allow that. Yeah. Fantastic. So self-confidence is self-belief, yeah? It's being self-assured. Um, it's not being arrogant. Sometimes I hear people say, oh, you, you've got a black, you've got a chip on your shoulder. And I'm thinking, wow, if you're a black person who's articulate, confident, comfortable in your own skin, their rhetoric is always, oh, you've got a chip on your shoulder. But they never say that about a white person who just stands up there and be confident. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's uh, as you say, that unconscious bias that puts a negative spin on, 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 on race. And, that, and that's an unfortunate, as you say, turning something that's quite positive into a negative immediately. Um, so where, so you've got this self-confidence and you own your space. And I love that. I love the fact that you have that sort of, that inner confidence. What, what, what has got you to that place? I mean, perhaps take us back to when you were, uh, in prisons, uh, those many years ago and, and how you dealt with that being in prison and being tortured. Uh, what, what, what were the things that were going through your mind? How did you deal with that transformation and how that lead you to this place now where you, you literally own your own space? Before we talk about prison, let's talk about the psychology of apartheid, because it was a deliberate, it was not a mistake like Dick says, it was a deliberate ideology to dehumanize. So we were called names like Kefir Nigger, I'm going to say it, yeah, uh, which meant that you are actually a non-entity. So we had to say, uh, we had to address white people as boss, boss, yeah. My mother, I'm talking about the context yeah, of how mm -hmm. I overcame that. My mother, who was old enough to be a parent to some of the white people, she's, she, she was employed to work as a cleaner. Uh, she called them madam because you couldn't call a white person the first name. My father referred to the white employees as boss. Yeah, I remember, you asked me the question, how did I get to that? At age 10, my father was delivering newspapers and we were going up, up and down the road. Uh, and mother happened to forget 
to put a newspaper in one of the um, flats in Cape Town. This white boy, who was age, same age as me, ran behind us and called my father, you careful boy. My father is my father. My father is my God. Mm. Yeah. How dare you call my father? I did a, a, a Muhammad Ali on him. <clears throat> I punched him and he went over the floor. Guess what? My father picked me up and he beat the hell out of me. Do you know why he beat me? We better come back to prison. Do you know why he beat me? Because he was scared of the consequences of beating the princess, a white person. Mm. I, I was deferred the honor of my father from being called a boy. In my culture, I, I couldn't even address my father as a boy. He's my king. He's my God. Mm. So let's fast forward. Let's fast forward. Prison. So those are the things I had to deal with. My parents being dehumanized. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and reduced to nothingness. Me being reduced to nothingness. In prison, I was subjected to eating food, porridge that had dog hair and dog saliva and poo. Hmm. That's inhumane. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Careful, stop moaning. I refused. I was on a hunger strike for three weeks in prison. I refused to eat. I survived those three weeks. Because of the inner resilience that I have, because of the inner mental toughness I have, I refuse. Yeah, I wouldn't eat that food. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, that's that. I mean, that. that I mean, I, I can't. I say I can't imagine how your your background and your, as you say, your context. Um, and it, it, it's it's well to me it just sounds awful, sounds horrendous, and I'm sure it was. Um, and I can't understand why. Well, I can understand why, but it's not still, it's not right. Um, but I, what I, I'd like to just understand more is how then, with against all odds, effectively, you know, with a, you know, an ideology that's so belittling and dehumanised, as you say, uh, of black people, how you've risen and and the fact that you, you you were only dehumanized in the sense in society that you were then put into prison which is you know even worse and how you know what was it where where has this come from this this mental toughness what things have you enabled you to be tough and to navigate things and, and the reason i'm asking that is because you know other people might be facing perhaps not as extreme as you but they might be finding facing a tough situation right now a challenge in their business in their organization or in their personal life. Yeah. What are the helpful strategies that you found through your life that have enabled you to overcome and defeat those odds and be a conqueror? Okay. One of them, thank that's a very good question. One of them is a realization that victimhood is a choice. For some people, not always. Yeah. And I say to people when I do my speaking, I'm not a victim of apartheid. I'm a victim. So life can dish out stuff. It's how I respond to it. It's my response. It's my mindset. It's my approach to that which happened to me. Uh, there's some things that have happened to me that I refuse for them to define me. Yeah. So I'm not a victim. I refuse to. Um, it's it's again it's that mindset thing. I I, I re rebranded, reshaped my story of being. Uh, at the receiving end from the perpetrator to me as a victim. I'm not a victim. I'm a victim. So the next one, 
is the is the 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 thing that I uh, Victor Frankl uh, search for meaning in his book. Yeah, he talks about uh, and then another person wrote a very powerful book. It's called The Choice. Um, I think in life we've got choices to redefine our stories. Victor Frankl says that it's not what happens to us, it's how we interpret that. That gives us inner strength, inner resilience to, to, to rewrite our story, to change our story and not to be stuck in that story of self-pity and victimhood. Yes, apartheid was evil. Yes, it was demonic. Yes, it was destructive. But how do I change that story? Yeah. I change my story because I refuse to let the white people have the last word on my life. I refuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it is, it is, it is that understanding of the stories we write in our heads, isn't it? It's those narratives that we create. It's those, and obviously when you, you're, you've been, a story has been written about you or told about you, or people have told you you're stupid, you're an idiot or, or whatever it may be. It's, as you say, it's having that choice of saying, actually, I'm refusing to accept that. Yeah. I'm going to write my own story. And I think yeah. people don't realize, I was talking to somebody this morning, I was at a, a networking function where the narratives we put into our heads, you know, good, bad, whatever it is, um, negative, positive, we will outwork those because you're effectively putting like a, a tape in your head of yeah. how your story is. And so how do you do that on a daily basis? What, what do you do? Is there any sort of mantras or any sort of ways that, because I'm sure there's days when it's, it's pretty tough and days when it's, it's not so tough. And yeah. how do you sort of keep that daily sort of narrative that's, that's positive and making sure that you are a victor in, in all that you do? One, I, uh, I pray. Two, I do daily affirmations. I go to the gym. At the gym, uh, I fight with the weights. Yeah. Sometimes I make a choice to be inside the gym. I don't always feel like going to the gym. Mm. I make a choice to go into my metal inside the gym. I don't feel like saying I'm going to have a great day. It could be a very bad day outside. I could have financial struggles. I could have health issues. Yeah. I, I just lost my sister the other day. Yeah. Um, uh, of course, I felt the grief and the loss and the pain. Mm. Of course, I did. But I said she has been given 54 years. Yeah. In those 54 years, she was able to achieve. So I, I changed that narrative. Yeah. Mm. I'm not saying I dismissed the sadness. No, I didn't deny that she, she's no longer with us, but I, I, I reframe that story. So I pray. I go to the gym. I challenge myself. I do a lot of self talk. I change that narrative. I do a lot of uh, affirmation. I write my cards every day. Then, yeah, I have cards that I write. There, there we go. Yeah. I write things on my cards, yeah? And I write things on my board. I'm not sure whether they can see that, Julian, there. Oh, yeah? Things on my board, there, every day, yeah? I'm thriving, I'm prosperous, I'm fulfilled, uh, I'm God's favorite, I'm grateful. Uh, I'm in a season of predictable uh, uh, income and overflow. Even if there's no money in the bank, I change that narrative because if I wallow in self-pity, I'm going to go down the spiral of depression. So I want to elevate my Mm. emotional energy and my mental health. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear about your, your, your sister passing away recently. And it's great that you, 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 it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be sad and mourn, isn't it? That's it. That's that's okay. And it's, I say, I think it's when people 
see positivity is as in you gotta be positive all situation that like almost like la la land and that's that's not real because for me it's about you know being grounded in reality of life also having this perspective of optimism um do you see that as in the sort of the the affirmations that you're putting out and what you write down and what you read is that you sort of do you see that as like sort of manifesting type of thing or how would you sort of perceive that what, what would be your have you got a story where you've done this and some things things have happened that you 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 because of how you've been operating and you've been putting those course. narratives of course uh, the good book says life and death is in the power of hand uh, sorry of the tongue so what i put out there yeah uh will happen if i believe that i am rubbish guess what my life is going to be rubbish yeah mm. but if i believe that i'm a conqueror that i'm thriving yeah the other day I had uh, 35 pounds in my account. And I says, uh, uh, money flows f- t- into my bank account from all uh, 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 different uh, um, um, directions. Two hours later, somebody rang me to say, Sia, could you come and do this piece of work or pay this amount of money? It worked. It worked. Fantastic. Because I put it out there. And I believe that it's going to happen, and it did happen. If it doesn't happen immediately, it doesn't mean that it doesn't work. It means that I've got to keep on persevering. Yeah, uh, I think I think this power of positive uh, thinking sometimes can be <laughs> misconstrued. I mm. I'm not. I love Tony Robbins to bits. I really do. I've been to many of his meetings. I'm not like Tony Robbins. I'm not putting him down. He's one of my mentors, but we can't always be on. Top form, eh, life sometimes, you know, you've got to persevere with the things that mm. you don't see happening. And then you see the manifestation. Yeah. I moved into this, uh, this place here. I said, I put this out of my head. I'm going to move into a cottage with the, with the green door, a two bedroom. And guess what? And then, I mean, I'm my sorry. two bedroom. Yeah, green door, and I, I I painted out in my picture what I wanted to see in the cottage is exact. I said to the landlord, I cried actually in the kitchen. So wow, this thing works. It's what works. My affirmations. Yeah, no, no, and I think as you say, it's not all woo woo, and it's not all being positive. Because if if you're setting some positive mindsets or some positive expectations, you're well, there's a psychological thing going on. You got a you know thing in your brain that will look. Uh, for those those ways of, of, of completing that narrative and and not for those those opportunities and and you know I talk a lot about with organisations where we all have challenges and rather than just looking at a challenge for the sake of challenge and how do we work out a solution why don't you just turn and it sounds very cliche turn that challenge into you know, asking a question of what are the opportunities this challenge gives me now and exactly. it just makes you think differently and it creates a mindset that starts to see things you've never seen before and i think it's it's having this and, and for me with all this it's all about you talk about daily affirmation it's consistency of building that narrative that, that's positive that's more you know building a life that's what you want to pr- achieve and create and actually you'll start to create it you just start to walk into it isn't it yeah Exactly. I agree. I agree. I think sometimes we have this thing that we, again, it's a victim mindset. I'm not saying everybody's a victim. I'm not suggesting that, but we allow things to happen to us instead of allowing things to happen for us. So we sit 
and, and be passive. Instead of saying, like you say, let's reframe that. What can I learn from this experience? And that's one of the things that kept me going during apartheid, during my growing up, during my divorce. Yeah, that's one of the things that kept me going. Yeah, it was how yeah. can I learn from this? How is this going to allow me to be a better person, leader, teacher, father? Yeah, uh, even though my family is now fractured, how do I do that? Yeah, and it's looking for those sort of opportunities, isn't it? And I think it's, you know, having that daily thing. Is there any sort of, I suppose, one lesson or insights that, that from your story, from your background, um, that um, listeners could talk, take away? That they say finding some difficulties now. That perhaps when you're in prison, perhaps when you're facing that um, apartheid in South Africa that actually you did this or an awareness that created something that made you who you are today? Uh, I'm going to quote uh, 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 Les Brown. He says, adversity introduces a man or a woman to himself. And one of the things, whether it be apartheid, whether it be my home, my culture, my schooling, my education, my leadership, my church, uh, uh, my business, I've learned that uh, the importance of self-awareness. Number two, I've learned the importance of self-care. Number three, I've learned the importance of self-compassion. Number four, I've learned the importance of self-empathy and taking things at my own space, my, my own pace, sorry, at my own. I've learned those, yeah. Uh, when my marriage fell apart, I was suicidal. I was thinking of taking career. Uh, committing side, but I said to myself, I because I can be extremely crit overcritical of myself, uh, Julian, and I had to learn to to self soothe. I remember going to my uh, to my counselor, uh, and I was really angry with him. She says, "Yeah, just give yourself a massive hug." I said, "Don't be stupid now. Don't you be silly." Yeah, she says, "Do it. You are so quick at giving as a counselor, as a minister." As a coach, mm. as a speaker, you embrace other people's pain. Why don't you give yourself a massive hug? Self-compassion. Through mm. all this, I've learned that uh, I am a human being. I love human beings. I respect humanity. Um, through love and understanding, we can make this world a better place. So I've learned self-compassion, self-kindness, self-empathy. And lastly, I've learned uh, for, for me in my journey and my story, uh, never to take no for an answer. That's it. Yeah, you talked about <clears throat> self-compassion there, and I think that's one area where I, I think, as generally as humans, we're very hard on ourselves, um, and we, we have this weird high standard and expectations of what we should be doing or and everything else and it, and it's and we're quite tough on ourselves and and i often say to the leaders I'm, I'm coaching you know almost like those things that are tough how would you respond to the, if that was somebody else going through that scenario how would that exactly. how would and and the words would be very different they'd be more kinder positive affirming and I say, well, start thinking about that for yourself as well, because yeah. I think uh, we need to be a lot kinder on ourselves. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you how does that manifest for you in, on, a, on a daily basis? That sort of being sort of self care, self compassion, and uh, being sort of um, yeah, that selfness in a sense. So I go to the gym. That's my me time. I have 
um, um, days where I go and, for example, I went to see a pedophile in prison uh, the other day. I was full of anger. I could have murdered him. I said, no, let's go straight to the gym, parked up there. So I meditate, I read, I go cycling. Uh, I do a lot of, I just take myself for a meal by myself, buy myself mm-hmm. some roses. I do. I buy myself some roses. I remember going to, uh, to, to a place, uh, a restaurant in town. She says, excuse me, Sam, why you've been sitting for a long time? Are you expecting somebody to join? I said, no, I'm expecting me to join me. <laughs> she says, you're mad. I said, no, I'm not. I'm doing self-care, self-love, yeah? Uh, mm. Julian, we say this. when you, I'm going to jump on a plane next week to South Africa. The, the cabin will say, in case of emergency, uh, the mask will drop from the floor. Put it where first? On your next-door neighbor, your mother-in-law, your girlfriend? No. Mm. On who? On me. So when I choose um, to do self-love, self-care, self-appreciation with my affirmations, I'm saying I'm the most important person. I'm going to put that mask so that I can then reach out to our business uh, partners, to my children, to to my colleagues, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Yeah, we can't look after other people unless we look after ourselves first. And I think that's that's really important. I, I actually told a, a client the other day to be, um, to be more selfish. And uh, which sort sort of jarred with her initially, and she got a bit shocked by that. Obviously, I impact what I meant by that, because I think yeah. she felt she always had to look after other people, sort other people's problems out. Which she's quite good at fixing, but actually sort yourself out first, otherwise you'll end up in a place of potentially burnout or certainly yeah. having a sort of stress. And um, I think people need to recognise that. And certainly, this obviously, you know, we're in a time of year where it gets quite sort of squashed of our time and, and energy and everything else. Um, it's been great talking to you, Sia, and I really appreciate your your openness and your frankness about uh, your story and um, and the wisdom uh, and strategies that have come out of that uh, for you to be uh, not a victim but a victor and somebody who, who who conquers and just this on a daily basis. And I, I really thank that. And hopefully, people are quite inspired and and have gone away with a number of strategies to really help them. Uh, if people want to connect with you and get in touch with you, what's the best way of doing that? And my website is www.siyatwani.com. All my details will be on my website, my number, my emails, etc., etc. Thank you for the opportunity to share life with you. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you like this episode, then please rate, review, and share it with your friends and colleagues. As a coaching practice, I coach high-performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions, and it will help you go beyond what you believe is possible. If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation. You can contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com.